Chapter 16 Onward to Hope Simpha and the rangers moved at a phenomenal pace through the forest. Striven and Jaffreen did their part to track their way back, kneeling to the ground and snuffling at the earth. Striven held a torch for light in the darkness. Jaffreen spoke to the grasses and the leaves to ask the way at times. But having to find her way once already, it was Tartara who knew best. She flew ahead most of the time, watching for signs she recognized and warning them of fallen branches and stones in their path. Simpha tried to push on with raw will, determined to make it back to her airship. She kept going over the list in order of things she needed to do to make the engine and props flightworthy. It better have an engine still, she thought glumly, if the cloud racer had remained unmolested. But though she tried, she often fell behind, finding it nearly impossible to keep up with the rangers. She'd more than once felt like giving in to her weariness and falling to the ground. The others did their best to keep her upright and moving until at last, something more had to be done. Jaffreen stopped and turned to wait as Simpha stumbled towards her, while Striven and Tartara halted just beyond. I can't... go any further. Simpha took in deep gasps. How do you keep up your strength? She pulled her cap off and ran her fingers through a burnished redhead of sweat-soaked hair. I am sorry, my friend. We walk the island from end to end at least once a day, said Jaffreen softly as she reached forward to touch Simpha's cheek. Sometimes we run, if there's a need, though Streven's not fond of that either. I'm trying not to overuse this talent on him, but for you, I'll do my best to help. Then Jaffreen spoke soft words and placed her hand on Simpha's brow. As a glass pouring out water, Simpha felt all her weariness flow away. It was slow, though, and in her nose, she smelled the scent of fresh meadow flowers. Is that better? Asked Jaffreen. Much, said Simpha, trying to hide her puzzlement. Thank you, but how... No time for that right now, said Jaffreen. Come, there's still a great distance to go. For as many rumors as she'd heard and as much time as she'd spent with the rangers, Simpha hadn't seen Jaffreen do anything like that before. For some time after, she didn't ask what was done to her. But she knew it was some unnatural thing of magic, a thing she wasn't able to identify and categorize the causes of the effect. Magic was mysterious, and Simpha didn't like when she didn't understand how things worked. They kept on throughout that first night. When Tatara returned during the early hours of morning with news of a bubbling stream that ran across their course, they decided they'd better get some food and drink, and try to dry off a bit before continuing. Rather, Striven more or less said this all by himself, and Simpha was tired enough not to argue. Rain still dripped from the boughs, trickling out of the near-dawn sky above. The ground was covered with a springy turf and dappled with shrubs and long grasses that grew in clumps around clusters of various trees. But they were able to find some mushrooms like those that the dwarves had found for the travelers, and gathered some herbs while they did so. The best I can do in haste, said Striven, kneeling over the fire he was building is to make a soup of it. Sorry. Simpha sat down on a stump nearby, watching as Striven removed a pot from his bag and several pieces of wooden dining ware. I carved these myself, he said, a long time ago. Jaffrey glanced back from her spot, standing near the edge of their camp. Simpha thought she had a cheerless look on her face. Tatara, sighed Jaffrey. Why don't you... Already on it, piped Tatara. Then she darted off into the woods. 
While they waited for Striven to cook their meal, Tartara flew around the area. She wasn't gone long, but it was long enough that Simpha wondered if she was lost. We're okay. The woods are scarce, said Tartara when she'd returned. I didn't see anything but one large black Graziac. She buzzed over and landed on Striven's shoulder. I wish we had time to hunt the bear, grumbled Striven. I'm hungry beyond the satisfaction the soup's gonna bring. How are you feeling though, Jeff? I'm more than happy with the soup, said Jeffreen, eyeing him again. Thank you, Streven. Simpha rubbed her arms, watching them. Besides, we have no idea how plentiful the black bear is in these parts, added Jeffreen, looking to the great trunks all about them. It is one thing to rid the land of a beast that has become a nuisance or a pest. It is quite another to slaughter an animal in ignorance. Striven nodded his head, looking ashamed. Sorry. He paused, quiet for a moment before he went on. I haven't traveled so far from home before, especially with so little in my belly. He blew into his tinder and the smoke scent filled Simpha's nose. Think not of it, replied Jeffreen, coming to sit on a rock as Striven's fire leapt to life. We haven't killed any creature yet, thus the forest remains our companion so far. But do not do so, nor speak of doing so to me. Her mouth was tight, and her eyes focused. Simpha thought she looked very serious, and they were all exhausted, but she had a different sort of weariness on her face. Striven glanced at Simpha, then back to Jaffreen. How do you feel now? He said quietly. And I don't mean about being exhausted. I mean about all of this. Being so far from home. Jaffreen let out a long breath. It remains as complicated as it did when I voted against coming that night on the airship. Simpha found she'd been staring at the fire. Striven nodded, silent for a bit. He flicked a chip of wood into the flames and sat back with a grunting breath. Tatara spoke up. It's too big, Jaffreen. We can't let something like this go. These are the things all the old tragedies begin with, agreed Striven quietly. Trust me, Striven. I'm well aware. That's why I continue to support what Chudim's doing, what Sinfa here is doing. But I can see also the warnings Rail has always pushed at us. I can feel it. The dragon army is too close and something's not right on Yees. Sinfa raised her eyes out of her reverie. In nearly every scenario I can logic through, bad things are going to happen. But all of them are much worse and happen much faster if the Genovans lose this fight. Jaffreen stared down into the orange crackling tongues now. But so too will the island we've sworn to protect be put in terrible danger. Those we know and care about, your families. She took a calming breath. Just know, this will continue to be the impasse I struggle with, even still. They ate quickly in the firelight, stowing their conversation. Then they washed the soup down with water from their flasks and refilled them in the dark stream Tantara had found beneath the trees nearby. The sky had brightened from blue to pale tones. Morning had come already. Dozing close to the fire, Simpha had managed to dry a little. The others looked in better shape too. But long before Simpha's boots had lost their sogginess, Tatara got them up and going once more. Time to move, she squeaked gently. They trekked for two days in this fashion, always with great haste, sleeping in the roots of the trees for short hours during the night, a fire to help keep them warm and took turns keeping watch for beasts, or worse. But watches were quiet, and none of them ever saw more than crickets and owlings. They were making good time, thanks to Jaffreen's spells. But at night the druid, though Simpha was never a minute or two behind, 
was always first to sleep. At last, the third morning had become midday. Tatara gave them signs that she'd begun to recognize shrubs. That boysenberry bush! I know that one! I ate a few of those after you were taken by the Dragonites. A light path made itself known within an hour, and they followed it. The excitement began to grow. Soon they all started to recognize arrangements of the large monoliths of rock. The trees about them grew sparser, and Simpha at last remembered the area where they'd been captured, just inside the forest's edge. Her joy was chased away as she recalled the pain, but only for a moment. Be wary yet, warned Jaffreen, examining the glade as she leaned on her staff. Hmm, mused Streven aloud. I don't see anyone or anything strange. Beyond the trees, the wind gently blew the grass, and sitting tall amidst the stunted boulders and broken stone was the cloud racer. We made it! shouted Tartara, speeding ahead into the open grassy clearing. Simpha couldn't help herself. She ran toward the cloud racer, her heart swelling with excitement. As she came to its hole, she made her way through the deep grass to the rope ladder, still hanging to the ground, just as she'd left it. Well, mostly as she'd left it. Over a week's worth of growth and the rains had sprouted up beneath it, and she noticed the earth under it now, disturbed by the crash, she thought. It was also clear that birds had used it as a perch. She frowned, but even that didn't stop her. Already, the list of tasks she was about to perform as quickly as she'd ever done lined into place in her head like beads of an abacus. She looked back to see the rangers coming into the grassy clearing, smiles on their faces as well. As she began to climb the ladder, she checked as far as she could see again, as if she might see Turim and those who traveled with him. She was glad to find they were alone. She needed time. It seems our friend has missed her creation, said Tartara as she zipped back and forth from Striven to Jaffreen, up past Simpha who now stood on deck. <laughs> Indeed, Striven laughed. Simpha smiled as she breathed in. Her cheeks hurt. She took a few steps to the other side of the deck to look upon an odd sight. A mound of earth was piled up high amidst steep banks surrounded by tall timbers. Several more trees had been filled about the area as well. What was strange also was that it didn't look like a woodsman had hewn these trees. Their roots remained attached. Simpha wondered if maybe the wind had laid this place to waste. That didn't make sense though. Not on this scale or with trees this large. While Simpha puzzled over this, Tartara passed her and flew out to the mound. Wow, there's a deep hole in the center, she said. I can't see how far down it goes, but it's deep. She shouted down it to hear her own voice. Hello? Jaffreen and Streven now stood at Simpha's side. Remember what Churim said, warned Jaffreen, calling out to Tartara. We're not so familiar with the creatures of this grey forest. But the druid's words were cut short by a roar that stopped their hearts as it rattled the silence of the woods. The birds ceased to chirp about them, and the companions stood absolutely still. Simpha felt herself held in place by a gripping fear. Then a noise came from deep within the earth. At first it was slow and grating. But quickly it became faster. Tartara slowly fluttered away while still facing the mound. Her eyes grew large in anticipation. I hear it coming from inside the mound, said Tartara, still backing away. Something big! Jaffreen gripped the railing, her jaws set. Simpha's eyes assessed the area. Her breath quickened, pulse racing. She actually heard Streven swallow as his hand went to his bow. The sound grew like a thousand beetles, all side by side, struggling to get out of the tunnel. Simpha thought she heard a similar sound coming from below deck. Suddenly bursting forth from the hole like a geyser, came a creature both great and terrible to behold. It snapped out of Tatara, but the flittering fairy flew off as quickly as her little wings could carry her, 
narrowly avoiding its razor-sharp teeth. What is that? cried Tatara. The part of the creature that was above ground was many times the height of a man, and its mouth could easily have swallowed all four of the travelers in one great gulp. Deep green, its body was covered in a thick, insect-like carapace. Sifa took one glance towards Striven, meeting the same sort of questioning look in his eyes. They weren't sure what to do. And what would Jaffreen say? Did she want to keep this creature alive too, just like the Black Griziak? It's a forest worm, shouted Jaffreen. Two to mourn us of them. Sinfa swallowed her panic. She wasn't going to wait for Jaffreen to decide. We have to draw it away from the Cloud Racer. If we don't stop it, it's going to stop us, and quick. Striven, apparently agreeing, notched an arrow, letting it fly in the same instant. The shaft sprang forth and grazed off the crusted plating that lined the creature's sides and back, which only angered it further. It slid more of its length out onto the forest floor from what appeared to be its den. It roared a screeching peal and gnashed its sharp teeth, swift for a beast of its size. Off the deck! yelled Simpha to the others, but her voice was weak as it came, caught in her chest. Straven pulled back hard on his bow with another arrow. This time he focused all his being and let forth again. The arrow drove deep into the beast's gaping mouth, piercing the soft flesh of its palate. The creature roared in pain. Then Straven came running. The three of them sped down the ladder and away toward the trees. Natara zipped after, the worm right behind her. Simpha got as far away as she could, trying not to feel helpless. She waved her arms at him. Jafreen, can't you do something? She hoped Jafreen would prioritize their lives over the life of a single monster this time. Jafreen took several steps, moving up against a clump of thick firs nearby, standing at the edge of the shallow bowl the creature seemed to have made. If Straven can keep it at bay, I will. This fellow's long in preparation, however, so be warned. The forest worm drug itself around the front of the airship, its sections digging into the ground to pull it along like a centipede, and at the same time weaved itself in a serpentine fashion. Simpa cringed as it barely scraped along the front of the hole and came towards them. Striven and Simpha backed away, but kept themselves between the creature and Jaffreen. Yikes! Simpha heard Tartara say to herself. The fairy drove forward, zipping over the grass, in one great lunge, her fist daggers pierced the thick membrane that covered the creature's mucousy orb. It screeched once again, now bellowing a cry of pain that echoed through the forest. Then it lurched abruptly, reaching its head back and slammed a tar through the air. Simpha could only watch as the little fairy shot across the woods. Tatara didn't catch herself in time. She struck a mighty trunk and fell, her wings slowing her slightly before she hit the piney loam of the forest floor. She didn't move. Tartara! yelled Straven. The worm writhed, crashing into a tree and knocked the timber down with a thunderous cacophony. Then it resumed its crawl toward them. Simpha was about to run when Straven interceded. Stay back! He managed to choke out. Simpha stumbled on a loose rock as she moved away, dropping awkwardly to her knees. She looked up to see Straven, his wits still clearly about him despite the fall of his friend and fellow ranger. His face was red as he shot again into the beast's mouth. Bleed beneath the yellow. He shouted. It was fiercer than Simpha had heard him speak. What had happened to Tartara seemed to be fueling his courage. She imagined him as the young boy he was in the Hymn of Duragel, when he saw his friend die then. She wondered how afraid he must have been. She shook, wondering how afraid he was now. The creature roared again. It rose into the air, plummeting headfirst towards Striven. The big ranger dove away, narrowly avoiding the worm's teeth and powerful jaws as it dug deep into the earth. Instead of pulling its head back out of its hole, however, the worm kept going, deeper into the ground. It sent chunks of earth spraying into the air as it dug, covering Striven in dirt and mud. 
The long body wound out of one hole and down into another. Straven kept scrambling away, tumbling, rolling. But one of the sharp serrations that lined the edges of the worm's plate caught him in the back and he let out a growl of pain. Straven! Simpha found herself shouting. Finally, the tail whipped about and then it was gone, lost to the depths of a new hole it had burrowed. The ground rumbled at its retreat. Straven backed a good distance from the creature, moving closer to Jaffreen. She was sitting on the ground now, drawing pictures and dropping bark and leaves around it. Then the ground was still. <sighs> it looks like it's gone back to the depths, spoke Simpha, her breath seeping from her lips like smoke beneath a door. Off to her left, Streven's wound on his back was bleeding down his shoulder. The serration had cut through his cloak, but he didn't look like he intended to heed it yet. He headed for the fallen Tartara, crunching across a smattering of dry leaves. Then there was a grinding roar. The worm burst from the ground, mere feet in front of Jaffreen. She wasn't startled, nor did she move or open her eyes as each section of the worm rose higher and higher into the air. Jaffreen! Screamed Simpha. The druid was calm, a gazing pool. She remained that way for several moments before her white eyes opened with a start, flaring with a lush green light. Simpha felt a buffet of wind. It came from... Jaffreen? From inside Jaffreen? She wasn't sure. The wind blustered, blowing Jaffreen's hair and robes out from her. She stood, wooden staff in hand. The worm still rose, but in a matter of seconds, it arced down for Jaffreen. Simpha watched with horror, unable to do anything. Jaffreen, get out of the way now! But her voice cracked hoarse. There was no response. Jaffreen was focused. Her spell had been cast and it was draining her. Simpha was afraid of what it might do to her, already spent from her magic use the past few days. Then Jaffreen clapped her hands together. The wind around her grew in intensity as the ground beneath the worm broke open. From the puckering sod came mighty trunks. They grew as though years passed with each instant. Trees pushed into the air around Jaffreen, their thorny branches impaling the worm, spitting it in several places. Along the earth called vines and brush, a writhing mass of vegetation spiked out from the center where she stood, and then trailing along the ground like petals, encircling the stem of a flower. The trunks carried the creature high into the air beyond the canopy before they ceased their growth. Then all was still once more. Jaffreen collapsed to the ground. Turm and his companions followed Aldor from his comfortable underground mansion. They marched down the street, past several dwarven merchants along the lane, and toward the western gates of Dunarg. These gates weren't built with a stair, but a steep road of sorts that wound around slowly for beasts of burden and wagons to enter the city's depths. After they'd spiraled up the road for some time, they passed beneath a wide stone gate and returned to the wood of the Modokaz forest. So nothing, continued Term's questions for Aldor. We can't send a falcon or pigeon. I don't know if you know this, Aldor looked at him with a grumpy frown, but birds aren't over fond of living underground. And the dragons at Karagard Keep? Even with the few shining skills the dwarves trusted, we can't get you anywhere close to the keep now. And that's if they're alive. I'm telling you, you've not a lot of options. The light was dim. The sun had dropped not more than a few hours from the horizon. If we ride hard, said Darth, commenting on the journey, we should make it to the airship before night's end. Term exchanged glances with Meineken. I would not trust the ogre since the timing, mumbled Aldor. Darth frowned, but then smiled as the corners of Aldo's beard perked up and he <laughs> chuckled. A stone pathway led away from the gate, and beneath the dark trees, Gundax stood waiting. 
He had three ponies, one golden brown and one white and black. There were also two larger horses, a dappled gray and a cream one with dark brown patches. They wore saddles of fine leather and had saddlebags filled with traveling goods. Your quests have been filled, Master Eldor, said Gundak when he saw them approach. Silver armed dwarven servants surrounded him and all bowed as Eldor drew near. Eldor took his chief servant's hand in both of his own and shook it vigorously. You're a dwarf of renowned speed and resource, Gundak. Many thanks. And my thanks to all of you. He looked to each of the other guards. I trust you to keep the mines safe. Though you may have a need to gather more of you to do so, I'm sorry to say. The guards looked alarmed as though Aldo had never given such a request. Is there something wrong? Asked Gundak, his tone serious. Aldo <laughs> almost chuckled. I don't know how you may handle these tidings, but there are a great deal of, uh... He paused. A great number of cavern spiders about the place now. This is ill news, said Gundak, putting his fingers in his belt. The other dwarven guards looked to each other in both disgust and fear. Several of them spit distastefully. We'll clear the mine of them before you return, said Gundak with a confident nod. I need not fear that. Yet I curse that foul breed of spider. As do we all, replied Aldor as he grabbed the reins to one of the ponies. The companions then hastily mounted their steeds as Aldor spoke one last time to his chief servant. Take care of the house. I don't know when I'll be back. My plans are rather open for now. I've put Drogan in charge of the new vein in my absence. May your beard grow long, Gundak. Goodbye. Turin, Meineken, and Lala all gave their remarks of gratitude. Doff grunted. Then they were off. They rode hard through the Murakaz forest, the ponies and horses bearing their burdens with pride and dignity. Foam covered their coats, but still they pushed on, the low boughs whipping against both the riders and their steeds. Soon, Turin found small welts on his face and arms. Darth rode in front, doing his best to follow the trails and faint pathways he'd taken during his walk to Dunark, but apparently he hadn't taken much notice on his journey into the mountains, because they frequently seemed lost. Turm tried to keep from getting too aggravated. After all, Darth was a gladiator and had little need of forest lore or skill at tracking. He cursed himself for letting him stop in Dunark for so many hours though. That had cost them time. On top of that, he kept thinking about the dragon army at Caragon Keep. Were they out scouring the woods, looking for Knights of the Hammer? He had to balance sleep with sharp awareness, something that grew more difficult as the sun continued to descend. In this manner, they kept proceeding south for the most part, winding east and west at times as the terrain dictated. The sun, which was already dimly shining through the thick canopy of firs when they departed from Dunard, fired patches of golden orange through the breaks in the trees. Finally, it disappeared beneath the darkness of the horizon. Do we stop now? Asked Lala, still trotting along behind Meineken and his pony. It's night time. If it weren't for the moon, I couldn't see my own nose. I don't know, grumbled Aldor, a ways ahead. Darf, can you even see the trail? Darf was intent on the ground. Maybe so, maybe no, he replied. What's that supposed to mean? grunted Aldor. It means I can't see a blasted thing, said Darf crossly, reining in his overexerted steed. Nothing useful anyways. We can't stop just yet, said Turm. He scanned the shadows of the forest, still alert. We must be close. You said we'd make it by night's end, Darf, said Meineken crossly. Now they'd all nearly come to a halt behind the half-ogre and dwarf. 
Doc wagged his big head left and right, trying to catch some track or sign. He made no answer. Let's go just a bit further, said Turum. Look up ahead. The trees are breaking. He didn't wait for an answer from Darth and gentled his steed forward again, practically shoving past them. He gave a glance to the skies. The time for niceties was over. He wondered why the dragon army hadn't attacked already. The others, complaining, fell in line behind him. Now they were merely following the light of the pale moon. The trees grew sparse, and at last they broke into a clearing. They rode all through the deep grasses they'd come to in search of the way. Term shouted in frustration. Yeah! We halt until sunrise. He was afraid and annoyed they'd become further lost. They might run into danger in the darkness if they continued. The moon smiled dimly all that night, illuminating the twisted trunks and gently waving grasses. The air seemed colder than the previous evening. Despite the foul mood he was in, Turm was happy to have real food during their travels once again. The others were probably happier. Roast pig and fresh, sweet pumpernickel covered in light cream filled their bellies. It wasn't long after eating that they drifted off, wrapped in warm blankets, slipping on bedrolls they'd brought with them from Dunarg. Term couldn't help but think of the rangers and Simpha and feel guilty. Simpha stood with her mouth agape at the sight. Tatar looked dead. Streven's cloak was drenched in his own blood, and Jaffreen. She ran to Jaffreen first. Streven hesitated briefly, but while Simpha tended to Jaffreen, he turned and made for the fallen fairy as fast as he could. Simpha knelt beside Jaffreen. She had no idea what to expect. Jaffreen's face was pale, and her fingers covered her eyes. But otherwise, she was alive. Simpha helped her to a sitting position. Tartarus hurt badly, shouted Streven, his gentle hands cupping Tartarus' fragile body. Jaffreen held tightly to her staff as she rose, still very shaky in the knees. Streven gently set her into a wide, dry leaf on the ground. Simpha looked at the small fairy with sadness. Her legs lay in an unnatural bend, probably broken and crushed. The rest of her body bruised and bloodied. Oh, the god. Simpha put her fingers to her mouth. You're going to make it. You can do something, right? She said, distrusting her own words. She didn't know how a fairy could survive that. Jaffreen first dropped a sprinkle of red leaves of an ancient oak from her pouch, then extended a hand out over her fallen comrade and began. It didn't matter now that Simpha couldn't understand what caused the magic to happen. It only mattered that it would help Tatara. She'd only known the fairy a handful of years, but she couldn't imagine losing her now. Not like this. As Jaffreen whispered, she continued to reach into her pouch, pulling first more dried oak leaves, then a powder of crushed silverwood berries. Some of the ingredients that she dropped absorbed right into Dotara's pale skin, while others danced about her in the air, held aloft by a glowing magical force. Is she going to make it? Asked Simpha. Streven sucked at his cheek silently. Tatara seemed to be growing paler, but then that changed. The herbs and leaves swiftly dried to a powder and blew away. The pain on her face ebbed. Slowly, Tatara opened her eyes. The spell had taken effect. <sighs> Jaffreen fell to her knees, grasping her head and holding onto her staff. A small trickle of blood ran from her nose and she wiped it with the back of her hand. Streven, too, now out of danger, slumped against the tree next to them. Simpha's eyes took the pair in. Let me bandage your wound, Streven, she said, taking action. You're losing blood fast. Streven gave a weak nod. He was doing his best to remove his hood and cloak, but his hands were clumsy. 
Simtha helped him get it off and took a look at his back through his torn leather tunic. It's not too terribly deep, but I'd better sew the wound shut. Do you have any shade thorn root, Jeffrey? Asked Straven, his voice wavering. Simpha had heard of the root, but she didn't know what it was for. Still, Straven and most of the ranger's skills at Herblore were impressive. She'd seen him tend a doe in the woods once. Sure it wouldn't make it, she saw the same deer not two weeks later, bounding happily through the Yzean woods. She sighed, <sighs> missing home. And peace. Jaffreen still held her hand over her eyes, but managed to reach into her pouch. She fumbled inside a moment before revealing a beautiful purple floral bud. She held it out. Quickly, Simpha took it and laid it in Straven's outstretched hands. Do you want me to do something with that? She asked. Straven began pulling at the root of the plant, then moistened it with his mouth. Take this and press it with this cloth into the wound. Then he spat chunks of the root into Simpha's outstretched hand exclaimed Simpha, far less disgusted than she'd sounded. She took the piece of cloth that Striven tore from the corner of his cloak with his small boot knife and placed the substance on it. Thank you, Lady Maplebow. I'm grateful, as always, came Tatara's voice. She slowly sat up, testing her wings behind her. She flapped them into a blur then, shot up into the air, and then sat down on Striven's shoulder to observe. Striven will have some needle and thread in his pack, I'm sure said Tatara, who seemed to be doing quite well now, watching Simpha and Straven. I'll get it. She flitted over to his bag. Simpha smiled. I'm glad you're okay. She was still feeling astonishment to see her up already. Tatara lifted out a small spool of thread, a needle stuck neatly into the end. He's quite handy at patching up tears or snags in cloth, or the occasional wound. Jaffreen, steadying herself with her staff, gave a weak smile to Tatara. She breathed ragged breaths, clearly struggling to recover from the astonishing power that had coursed through her body. Simpha looked Jaffreen over. She lived, but she was in pretty bad shape as well. After I get some water boiled here and patch you up, she said to Straven, let's go aboard the Cloud Racer. After all of you are fixed up, I've got plenty more to do before Term gets here. She gave a weak <laughs> chuckle. But one thing at a time. She paused. You three are amazing. <laughs>